Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. And welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of The Command Zone. Your new best resource for everything EDH. Yes. So I am Jimmy Wong. And I'm Josh Lee Kwai. And we're going to get right into it. So what are we talking about today, Josh? We are talking about EDH Deck Building 101. Um, I think the first step is to sort of go through EDH and how it's different than other Magic formats and and how that's going to change how you build your deck uh, you know, differently than mm-hmm. standard or modern or legacy or any of that. So uh, hopefully this is going to be eye-opening for people who are just starting out or even people who have been playing EDH for a while. Yep. So um, the first uh, thing that's different is uh, everybody starts with 40 life. Ooh, double life. Yes. So how does that change how you build your deck That because you start with 40 life? Well, for one, things like mana cost, things like ramp, all sort of aspects of the game are changed because games do go longer. So all of a sudden, that creature that is that nine drop that you knew you could never play with a you know regular sixty card deck and twenty life is all of a sudden opened up to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, games go longer, you know, obviously because you have twice as much life. So um, that's the first thing that's going to change. Just keep in mind, every mm-hmm. card you look at is going to be reevaluated based on the fact that, like, oh, oh this game is going to go a lot longer yeah. than, like, a game of, of standard would go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it also makes, like, the smaller creatures, like uh, low drop creatures, creatures that just attack and block, you know, uh, things that would be efficient uh, normally, like a Fleece Main Lion, which mm-hmm. is a two-mana-costed 3-3. Three, three. Like, that's a great card in, in standard or, or at least playable. And uh, in EDH, it just, it just gets outclassed and it doesn't do enough. I mean, you're not going to beat a player who has 40 life by just attacking him for three every turn. Yeah, absolutely. And having, you know, it's very important to have one drop, two drop, three drops in your hand uh, when you start a game with 20 life. Uh, it's not as relevant in a game of EDH. And we should mention that EDH is more commonly known as Commander. Uh, because, I mean, a lot of games, we'll just say this way, don't end with creatures attacking and killing someone. <laughs> correct, correct. Most games, I'd say, don't end that way. Yeah. So that's uh, something to keep in mind, again, is uh, lower drop creatures that don't have utility are just, for the most part, they're just not worth it. Yeah. But some cards are seen in an absolutely new light. I think the most obvious is a card called Sarah Ascendant, which is this incredible card now that your life total starts at 40. Correct, because Sarah Ascendant is a one-drop, 
Uh, it costs one white mana, but it says if you have 30 or more life, then it gets plus five, plus five, and lifelink. So, and it flies. Yeah, and flying. <laughs> so it, it's a 6-6 six, six with flying with, uh, for one uh, with lifelink. Uh, that's only in Commander because you start with 40 life already. So yep. any card basically that, that refers to a player's total life can has the potential to be like a lot more powerful in EDH because, uh, you know, in the old days they they were designing magic and they didn't know commander as a format would ever exist. Mm-hmm. So um, they're all big... magic didn't really exist at all. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't design cards for players to start with forty life. So yep. there's some stuff that's just kind of broken. Uh, <laughs> there's this card called Sarah Avatar that just has power and toughness equal to your life, life total. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's a lot of cards. It's just something to, again to look out for and reevaluate is cards that refer to the, your total life because they just have the potential to be a lot more powerful than they were designed to be. Yeah, and that kind of leads us to our next point is that there are a lot of cards that also refer to quote-unquote opponents right. or your opponents, plural, and it's because EDH slash Commander is a multiplayer game and there are quite often more than two players in the game. Correct. And Well, yeah, I mean, a one-on-one game of EDH is... It's barely EDH, really. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not really EDH. In fact, even three player is, you know, I'd say four or more is is how EDH is mostly played. Um, so you're gonna have to think about something you'd never have to think about in a regular game, Magic, which is politics at the table. Yep. And now you have threats on your left and right side instead of just across the table from you. Right. So you have to think about things that are more than just cards in your hand or cards in your deck. You have to think about how is a card, when I play it, going to affect the psyche of the players at the table? Is that Mm -hmm. going to make them aggressive towards me? Is that going to frighten them into attacking me? Or is it going to do the opposite? Is it going to make it seem like, oh, that's not that good of a card and I don't have to worry about that guy? Like, in EDH is a weird format in that sometimes playing less powerful cards can actually be in your favor. Correct, and it's a, it's a format that I found when I play. I often have cards in my hand that I might be able to play, but in that certain situation faced with whatever else is on the board is not technically the most advan- advantageous thing to do because a Saracen in turn one is awesome, but that puts the biggest target on your back because not only are you swinging at people in the air for flying and you're definitely getting lifelink off it, your life total is just going to be ballooning if you're able to do that every turn and no one can take care of that creature. So... Uh, Although it is probably the most amazing first drop you can get in a white deck, it isn't necessarily the most political or technically smart at times <laughs> if you're just going to go willy-nilly and attack all over the place. I think it uh, something you said that, that really hits home is like, you're not always going to play something on curve as you would normally play it like in a game of standard. Right. Because in a game that's one-on-one, that person's already trying to kill you as much as they can as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But in a game that's got four players... The other players might not see you as the top threat, so they might not be trying to kill you as fast as possible. So you, they might be trying to kill another player that looks more scary than you right. first. So you don't always want to play out your four drop on turn four if it's something that's going to suddenly change their mind and be like, nope, I got to kill that dude first now yeah. instead of that other guy. You know, a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm going to let these other two or three duke it out, duke and I'm going to yeah. clean it up when the dust settles. So, you know, again, that changes how you evaluate cards. Like yeah. a card that just does damage to everybody and it's not very much damage is like, <laughs> Is it worth pissing everybody off just to do two damage? Yeah, you know exactly. you have to really think about uh, about those things. Yeah. Um, it does mean that you know with more players in the game, there's some niche uh, cards that you might not otherwise play that I think are are a little bit. M- you can just get away with playing like disenchant effects or yep. shatter effects, which are like things that get rid of enchantments specifically or artifacts, artifacts specifically. specifically. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, in a normal constructed format, you might not do that. 
because you don't know if they're going to have an enchantment or an artifact in their deck. Correct. But um, in, in EDH, it's, it's extremely rare that you would play a game and you would never see an enchantment or an artifact. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, with, with three or four four or even five other players at the table like there's going to be targets for that stuff yeah exactly and with the new sets recently you've got stuff that are legendary gods that are enchantments until they become creatures and there are lots of other things out there like you know you're going to want to get rid of someone if someone has a soul ring and uh you know a thran dynamo out and they're just pumping mana and just clearly three four turns ahead of everyone else you know that's a threat especially if you can't catch up to that threat even if you're not being targeted by that person and they're targeting someone else you're next on that list so you need to find ways to you sort of equalize the board around you without drawing too much attention and at the same time bolstering your own strength. So single target spells, let's talk about those guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we should talk about card advantage really quickly. Um, if you're not familiar with the concept of card advantage, it's basically like you're, you have two resources, your life and your cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cards are potentially more important than your life total. Like if your opponent has no cards and you've got three cards – then you you can be ahead in the game even though you're behind in life. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if your card in a normal one-on-one game, if you've got a card and it destroys one of their things, then that's what we call card parity. I use one of my cards and I got rid of one of your, your cards. cards. Return, yeah. Now, card advantage would be I use one of my cards and I get rid of two of your cards. Correct. Or or I or, put a creature down that when he dies becomes another one and I yes, kill one of exactly. your guys with it. You know? Or divination, which is a card that you play and it just draws you two cards. That's called a two-for-one. It's a two classic two-for-one. Two I played one card, I got two cards out of it and now i'm ahead on cards but in edh when you're playing with more players card advantage is a little bit more complicated if you play if you play something like a disenchant that gets rid of an enchantment so uh, there's four players at the table i disenchant somebody's enchantment well now me and that guy have each lost a card the other two players didn't lose a card anything so now i'm at card disadvantage to the table so single target spells I'm not saying don't use them. I'm not saying don't put them in because they do have their place, yeah. but be careful with them. I think you don't every want a lot a, of them. Yeah, obviously yeah. you're going to put a path to exile in your deck because you just sometimes need to get rid of something, you know, or a Swords to Plowshares. Or just, there are some certain elimination cards that are effective, but at the same time, I mean, you are losing one card, your opponent loses one card, and two other people at the table have nothing. They're not, they're not a part of the exchange, and they're technically ahead of you. I mean, you may They're gain... just like, sweet, those guys just use cards, and I didn't use anything. And yeah. I'm just sitting over here, and I just gained a card on those guys. And they got rid of the thing that I convinced them was a threat. And because they There's had an answer... The politics we, comes yeah, in. exactly. So you, you might gain a little bit of edge po- politically, because, you know, you can say to the other people, look, I got rid of this, so don't attack me this turn. You know, I spent a card on that. But overall, I'd say it's more important to actually have cards in hand, or just be able to draw cards for the ones you're losing yeah so just be careful with the single target spells he's you know jimmy's absolutely right when he says path to exile source plowshares things that like instantly kill one thing because a lot of times what happens is you know you somebody does something in one turn and is about to kill you and to be able to just answer that is is powerful but you don't want too many of those effects in your deck because you'll just fall fall too far behind in cards to the table so correct Instead, you're, you're, you're trying to actually get cards that trigger more often. And trigger means triggered abilities on the card. Uh, and cards that specifically trigger on every upkeep is actually something that's really big in Commander. And or cards that trigger on every enemy's enemy, turn, end, every yes. end step. End anything step, that says yep. every, you know, this phase. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when or you're playing... each, each opponent yeah, as well. exactly. Because when you're playing 1v1, again, you that's only one turn. If it says on your opponent's upkeep, do this, mm-hmm. that means you do it once and then it's your turn again. But in Commander, if there's four other players, that means do that thing four times. Yeah. So it's four times as powerful as it was maybe designed to be. Exactly. So like um, 
profit of crew fix yes. is just like one of the it's just an the awesome most, card literally one of the most important edh cards I'd if say you're playing green colors. and blue put it in your deck yeah like, exactly there's almost no reason not to and what it does is you untap all your creatures and your lands mm. on everybody else's okay. untapped step and you're allowed to play creatures at flash speed yeah but literally so that means like if you have creatures that tap to do stuff or you can use your mana on other players' turns, you can do it on each of their turns. Correct. Yeah. Rather than just only one turn like you would in a normal game of Magic. So yeah. uh, Consecrated Sphinx is another one which lets you draw cards. Two cards every- for every person yeah. drawing a card, yeah. Which normally in a normal game of Magic would only be two more cards. But in mm-hmm. an EDH game, that can be eight more cards yeah. before it's your turn again. I mean, that's Exactly. A, that's and crazy. you don't have to discard those cards until your end step. Yeah, so, so you- you're looking at a full grip of like 15 cards. Mm-hmm during your turn and then you know maybe discard the three or four that you're over seven yeah um another thing to look for on cards uh is things that like count all cards in all graveyards right or all instants or sorceries and yeah. that targets a, a number of things or, or cards in hand even again because there's just more graveyards yep or there's just more pe- more hands you know mm-hmm. because instead of two there's five graveyards five, yeah. you know so again there's like a there's a card called consuming apparition which is it, it's power and toughness are just equal to the number of cards in all graveyards. Yep. That's that just wasn't designed necessarily for five players because it can just come down and be like a twenty six twenty six. Yeah, you know, five drops. So it can just pop out and it, you know you you rarely see that in regular magic something popping out as like an eighteen eighteen but in commander stuff like that is routine. Yeah. And it, it, it's almost at a certain point not too surprising. The first time it happens, <laughs> yeah. it definitely catches you off guard. And, and then you're like, I need to put that card in my deck. But, you know, of course, all the things we're talking about right now, for the most part, uh, are situational and also based on the player group that you're around. So if your player group is one that doesn't run any instants or sorceries, you know, maybe they're all just creature heavy. They're not going to really have spells in their graveyard like that. So if, you're, if you have cards that specifically count that, not as effective. So always keep that in mind when you're sort of working around with different uh, different groups. So... Along those lines, kind of like he was saying, like it's very common for people to drop like huge creatures, you know, all of the sudden with haste. You know, right. it's it's super rare that just like two and three and four drops attacking and blocking are going to win the game for you. You know, yeah. you need to design your deck with synergy, with combos, with win re- conditions, with repetitive effects, with recurrence, mm-hmm. big flashy stuff that just happens out of nowhere and ends the game. Like that's yeah. how most games of EDH how most games of EDH end. <laughs> so, you know, like, if you're design, designing a normal standard deck, you might put, like, you know, a good curve, really efficient creatures, two, three, four, lots of two, three, four drops, you know, a little bit of removal, and you're just going to hope to get there to 20 right. life. But this is a format where, you know, because of the amount of players and the amount of life that you have, that, like, you know, it's really conducive to, like, all of a sudden forming, like, a super combo, all that happens in one turn, and yeah. before anybody can blink, you just kill everybody in one shot. Like, yeah. that happens quite, quite often. often. Quite often. So, you know, you, you want to design your deck that way. Go for, like, big, flashy effects. You know, yeah, little, small, efficient plays, you know, good in other forms of magic, not so great in EDH. Yeah, and make sure you can protect yourself up to it, too. You know, there are ways of doing that, of also just ensuring that you're going to get there before someone else. Because there have been many commander games where everyone around the table goes, man, if it just was wide turn one more time, I would have had you guys. Yeah, it's like true. that is really sometimes what it comes down to. And, you know, in a regular deck where you're putting two, two, three drops, two, three, four drops out just to, you know, block or be able to attack and, you know, go one-on-one with someone, you have three, four different tables with completely different boards, and some of them may have completely unblockable creatures. Maybe they're all island walk and you're just playing lands, and you have to deal with each table. Sometimes the only person you can really trust in this situation to finish the game is yourself. Yeah, you can't rely true. on someone else having what your deck can counter. 
It's actually that's a really good point. Um, is that you know you need a disruption package in your in your deck, right. and by that I mean uh, a way to interact with your opponent's deck, a way to um, interact with their permanents, with their threats. You know, you need to be able to kill them. You need to be able to bounce them. You need to be able to counter them. You need to be able to exile them. Mm-hmm. You know, you need maybe some graveyard hate. Uh, oh yeah. You know, you want to be able to tuck. Tuck is when you uh, use an effect that that takes like one of their cards and puts it into their library, library like yeah. on the bottom of their library. Specifically, a commander if yeah, they're causing that's too a, many headaches. Yep, that's a very good way. You want maybe control magic effects. Like mm-hmm. there is no card in Magic that can't be dealt with by another card somehow. But you need exactly. to you need to have enough effects in your deck that have ch- a chance. You don't want to just they play a card and you just have no answer for it in your deck and you're yep. just like dead to them. Yep. So you want to have a varied disruption package. Edict effects are really strong because you know there's a lot of hex proof. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of indestructible out there. People love to build those things into their deck, protect their commanders. Yep. And sometimes like you know you just make them sacrifice a creature. Well it doesn't matter if it's got a hex proof or it's yep, got a disruption. They have to sacrifice that one specific guy. And, you know, I'd say a lot of decks, you need to run at least one Wrath effect. And by Wrath effect, one kind of board wipe effect. And, you know, ultimately, if you're in the right colors, there are great effects for everyone, really. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. Like, Wrath effects are really powerful in EDH. Again, in a, in a two-player game, you're only getting rid of their stuff and your stuff. So you're kind of at card parity. But in a yep. five-player game, you know, sometimes you look around the table and it's just like, man, nobody has 12 creatures but they've all got four creatures, yep. and I've got and I've got two, two exactly. Or maybe I've got four, but theirs are just awesome. And it's just like yeah. I just want to hit the reset button. Yep. So and wrath effects are, are really powerful in EDH. I, I would say, like, if you have access to them, you want you know you want a number of them. You don't just want, yeah. you know. And and also at that to that same effect, uh, instant versus sorcery speed is incredibly important. Yeah. Uh, it really does make a big difference being able to cast something on their turn as opposed to your own. So if you you have kill spells, if you have removal spells that are at sorcery speed, they're great and all, and maybe they are super cheap and super effective in doing it one certain way, but having a response to someone popping out a huge guy, throwing haste, and then swinging at you, if you can't respond to that immediately, you know, you're really going to take a big hit. And that's Sometimes you just die. I mean, like Sometimes we were saying. Sometimes you just die. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> Welcome to Commander. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes if you don't have that answer, you just die, and, and that's a really good point about instant speed stuff. Like, so much of Commander is ended by, like, the table looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no... And then all of a sudden, somebody just whips out something huge and it's just going to kill you yep. and you if you don't have something instant that can deal with it like you're just dead yeah you know that happens a lot so that's a that's another good point yeah. um uh another thing is that like i would look at the versatility of cards absolutely like, like if for instance you have a choice between doom blade which basically destroys a non-black creature yep not a bad or, card in standard yeah, which is which Great. is kill spell awesome. yeah ex- and it's instant speed mm-hmm. but in commander i would every single time i would i would want to go with mortify yeah which does the same thing, but it can also kill an enchantment. So, uh, you know, you don't want to draw a card and it's completely useless to you, you know, and you want as many cards in your deck that sort of serve dual purpose. Absolutely. That you can get. So, um, that's, you know, cards that are good in multiple situations, Mm -hmm. cards that like, if I draw it on turn two, I'm happy. And if I draw it on turn 14, I'm happy. I'm still happy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Cause there's going to be a lot more turn 14s in EDH than there is in Mm -hmm. other forms of magic. You know, you're just going to go longer into the game. So you don't want to draw some crappy, like two drop that's useless now, you know, later on. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's like, oh, this would have been great in my opening hand. Uh, If you don't, you know, you have a hundred card deck, if you don't draw it in your opening hand, what's it worth to you at that point? You know, when when you're top decking and you need something good. And at the, to the same degree, um, it's also important to on on certain cards. To the wording is really important. Doomblade is a creature. Right. I think permanent is the best word to have in a removal spell because For permanent sure. is For sure. anything, or even non-land permanent. Because I don't really play with land removal, but 
being able to remove a permanent as opposed to just a creature is always important. And so those cards in general, you also find that they're priced slightly higher because yeah. they're, you know, you're able to remove a lot more. With I mean, it. exile target permanent is one of the best things that you could. Yeah. Get. Those three words with are an instant. the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, and, and you just led us into sort of the next thing, which is, you know, you have a hundred cards in your deck and you mm-hmm. don't have any duplicates besides Except basic lands. lands. Yeah. Basic lands. Yeah. But so what does that mean? Um, when you have a hundred cards in your deck and you don't have the redundancy that you normally have. Well, yeah, you don't have consistency. You know, you don't have the, you know, you don't have four of some specific creature where you're like, okay, well, I'm drawing seven cards out of a 60 card deck. I'm going to have a pretty good chance of drawing at least one of the, you know, eight cards that are a one or a two drop in my deck. So less consistency is definitely a thing to battle around in EDH. And that always leads to, of course, longer games because things are more drawn out. Yeah, exactly. And, and and you can't, like, it's hard to build. It's not impossible, but it's tougher to build an EDH deck that's going to have the same consistency as a, as a standard deck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost impossible. Yeah. Unless you have tons of the next thing we're going to talk about, which is card draw. Or, yeah. Or mana fixing, you know. Card, card draw, I think, is the number one way to sort of fix your consistency because it's sort of the answer mm-hmm. to not having redundancy in your deck because you can, can't have multiple copies of any one card. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you can just load in as much card draw as you can and then you're sort of rifling through your deck faster which means that you can find the cards you need you know faster so mm-hmm. i think card draw is really important in EG- in edh and uh, another way to sort of build in consistency is synergy so yep. you know if you're building a deck that there's like you know you don't have you don't have four of one creature but you have four creatures that sort of do the same thing right then then you've built in some redundancy there and 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 that and sort of through synergy you can gain yeah. you know more consistency and um, the nice thing is it is commander you know the i think the funnest decks are the ones that are built around synergy um yeah. instead of you know the fattest most expensive creatures yeah it's good to have a theme build your deck around a theme or a mechanic or a couple of mechanics yeah. you know because it's easier to find a lot of cards that share a mechanic uh than it is just find a bunch of cards that sort of work in in you know, synergy yeah. that don't share a mechanic. So, yeah. you know, that's just how magic is, is, is designed. And um, fortunately for every color to help get those cards in your hand, everyone has a tutor. Yeah. Everybody's got some form of tutor and tutors are Except really for red. I guess again, they got well, gamble. They have gamble and <laughs> Which yeah, is expensive, they have, so. they have super expensive ones. Yeah. Um, but you're rarely going to play a one color deck. Although if you are, it's going to be red. Um, yeah, correct. Or blue. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Black too, I guess. Um, just all, but the tutors are super, super important in EDH because it's effectively giving you redundancy where you wouldn't have it otherwise. Yep. Uh, and there are so many decks where it's like, there's certain key cards that you really need to get. Yeah. And you know, a tutor is basically another copy of those key cards. Yep. So as many tutors as you can have yep. and a tutor effect, sorry, we should say, is is an effect that lets you search through your gra- deck for a specific card. And sometimes it's enchantment. It's, sometimes it's a spell. Or yeah. Sometimes it says search your library for an instant or sorcery. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it says search your library for a creature. You know. But those are effects that let you go into your deck, find a specific card, and then get it into your hand yeah. as fast as possible. And those in EDH are extremely par- powerful. Yeah. And not only that, having the option to choose whichever one. You know. Hopefully your deck has answers or it has. You know what card you need situationally to win in that you know particular whatever's going on everyone else's board but tutors also because they are one card that searches out another essentially turn your deck from a 100 card deck to a 99 card deck because now you have one card that is just dedicated to making your deck slightly smaller and you're using it at a low cost point of you know two or three mana to get another card and once that card's in your hand then you know it's great now your deck's thinner you have a slightly higher chance of drawing the thing that you really need the next turn i also think like because we've said a couple of times a couple of things make the games go longer something like diabolic tutor which is normally not playable right because it costs four mana is actually totally playable in the EDH. completely and, and it puts it in your hand you yeah know? exactly 
And because, again, you're going to build your deck around synergies and combos, you know, sometimes the tutor is just what you need to get the final piece of that combo. And exactly. then you have a chance to win that game. Or like you said, it's an answer to something that's going to kill you next turn and yep. you need to go get it. Especially if you can cast it at instant speed and ensure that that's going to be your next draw. Because yep. for the most part, tutors outside of Diabolic and Demonic put the cards at the top of your library. Right. So you're going to need one more one more Correct. turn. Again, uh, we've talked a little bit about it, but ramp is really important because the games go long. And because in general, like we said, you're going to be like suddenly bursting out with like a big combo or a big creature or mm-hmm. something that's going to like sort of out of nowhere become a threat and immediately do damage. Yeah. Uh, sometimes an immense amount of damage and sometimes just kill your opponent outright. And usually you need a lot of mana to do that and you need yeah. access to that mana all at once in one turn. So ramp cards like Gilded Lotus, Thrawn Dynamo, Soul Ring. Soul Ring is the number yeah. one ramp. Yeah. And those are all artifacts that you generally need to go in almost every deck um, because every deck needs access to a lot of mana sort yep. of later on in the game so that they can suddenly burst forward with you know with their combo or their synergy or whatever and and suddenly like end the game or at least kill one player or maybe, yeah. or catch you back up or whatever but there's going to you're going to you're going to need that man you're going to need a lot of mana at yeah. some point like suddenly yeah and it's almost all colorless um i, I think guild lotus is by far my favorite just because it's you can yeah, fix a little bit yeah. you can choose any color you know that you want it to be but yeah you're going to need that colorless mana and you're going to need it in those bursts too and you know those those cards are great too because even if you don't use it and you have something like a Grim Monolith out or something mm-hmm. like a, a Vault that needs mana to get untapped. You know, you mm-hmm. can leave the artifacts up and tap them. And you, and having mana up in response to something is also a great way to defend yourself in EDH. And even just normal mana rocks like Chromatic Lantern uh, that turns all your lands into whatever color mana you want, but it also right. gives you one mana or there's the Dark Steel... Uh, Dark Steel Ingot. Yeah, but it yeah. gives you one mana of any color. Like, those are those are totally, like, playable in and EDH because that's ramp. It gives you one extra mana one turn before you would have it. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's indestructible. It's technically more protected than your lands are. Yeah, so, <laughs> so ramp is very important. You know, don't skimp on ramp. Um, another thing I would say is, like, don't skimp on your mana base. You see this yeah. sometimes. People who, like, build a deck and they haven't thought out their mana base well enough, so... EDH, the ga- the games are longer. We've said it many times, and man, it sucks if you if you don't have the mana to play magic. Mana. Yeah, because yeah. you just you can sit there for like the whole game, and people may not kill you because you you don't have a lot of mana, so you're not threatening. But it's not a whole lot yeah. of fun. So yeah. as D put it, it's the the worst thing to do is sit down to play magic and be unable to play magic. Yeah. So make sure you have <laughs> enough lands. Generally, the number is around thirty seven, mm-hmm. and make sure that you know whatever commander you choose and whatever colors you choose, you have mana. You know, you have so. lands that 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 do tap for both. The tap for multiple colors. Yeah. You know, you have multiples of those lands. Yeah. You know, if you don't, and you and you're not going to go get those. You know, maybe your collection's small. Then a lot. Then maybe the way to build your commander deck is literally to look at what kind of mana that you've got, what kind of two color dual land type yep. stuff you've got, and, and build around that. Yes, and work from there. Yeah, and and for the most part, if if you don't have the money to buy some of the more expensive dual lands and stuff, um, there are a lot that are on the lower price range. Uh, and of course, all the guild gates from like Return to Ravnica, those all yeah. tap for duels. Even though they come in tapped, it still is, you know, a better fixer than drawing those two separate lands for to just get that option of choosing between two colors. Yeah, exactly. And coming into play tapped is actually in, in EDH is not that big of a deal because mm-hmm. again, the games go long. So you know, if you're one turn behind, which is basically what a land coming into play tapped is, uh, it's not a big deal in general. Yeah. Like it's rarely going to be like, man. If I had just had a land that didn't come in and play tapped, I would have won that game. That's, right. That, that almost never actually, happens. Yeah, I don't think I've ever almost come never up against happens. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So sometimes you're like, if I just had more land, I would have won. But usually right. them coming to play tapped doesn't hurt you that much. So, right. Because by the time 
that like you don't lose on turn four it just doesn't happen generally it, it can it can i've seen <laughs> it happen it doesn't happen often. yeah it's yeah. Ra- it's more rare so jiki is the only way yeah. i've ever made that dream come true <laughs> i don't know i've seen a sarah send it with a sword of light and shadow that's and, right and yeah, that, happened that happened to two people the other day actually yeah, turn four and turn five that was no it was fun just game over yeah it was kind of awesome but it was anyway um <laughs> i'm just glad i got to play another game right after that that's, <laughs> that's really the the end story there and uh, sort of the last thing I would say about um, having 100 cards and no duplicates and how that affects uh, the game is that, like, milling effects are are pretty much out. I mean, they're pretty yeah. weak because... 100 man, cards, that's that's just tough to get through. So milling is literally, like, when an opponent has to take cards from their deck and put it directly onto their graveyard. So there's ca- a lot of cards that do it, uh, millstone being one, keening stone being another. But m- when we talk about milling, milling means trying to make their deck completely gone so that it's all in their graveyard and then if you don't know this if you ever have to draw a card in magic but your deck has no cards in it you automatically lose magic cards weren't designed with a hundred card deck in mind Mm -hmm. so they weren't they weren't balanced for it yeah Yeah. exactly so and then you on top of that instead of just having to mill out one person you potentially have to mill out like four people yeah so just if you're thinking about doing a milling deck i mean i'm not saying don't do it maybe it'll be awesome just you know in general, just having a couple mill effects, like the whole deck would have to be milling. Yeah, exactly, and and cards that took advantage of it. So cards like when a creature is put into a graveyard, or like oh, a number counts of cre- all creatures, right? Yeah. Counts all creatures and stuff. Then yeah, sure, you have more of an option there. But then you're almost at the same time. It's like, what if you're playing against an opponent that just doesn't have that many creatures? You know, or what if you have a playing against an opponent that wants stuff in their graveyard? Exactly. I, listen, milling can be cool. In general, milling works this way anyway. Like you're either all in on milling or you're not doing any milling at right. all. Exactly. But it's, I'm just saying milling is way harder in EGH. In yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Okay, so another thing that's different about Commander than uh, other forms of magic is the Commander itself. It's a card yeah. that you just always, more or less, always have access to correct it starts in the quote-unquote command zone which is a i guess it's been around that's forever the name of a really cool co- podcast too I think. yeah i think yeah. that's a great that's a great name it's a great name the commands, i could see the, just the sign and yeah. <laughs> above the, the, <laughs> in lights yeah exactly surrounded by stars uh, yeah. okay so um but but this gives you um a way to build consistency into your deck uh again because you don't have the redundancy it's not always consistent but right. the commander you know you're always going to have so maximizing your commander, making it central to your deck, mm-hmm. you know, building around its mechanic, um, building er, synergies around your commander is a really good way to sort of make your deck, you know, hum every time you play it. Yep. It's sort of a, it's, it's not necessarily the gasoline, but it definitely, you know, it makes your deck go. You know, if you get your commander out and your cards in your deck hopefully should complement the commander but be powerful on their own to work without it, you know, that's when, you know, the it's like you're throwing on lighter fluid to a fire. And that's when yeah. things really spark and get going is it should be when your commander's out. Sometimes, though, like I've seen you play decks with color combinations just because... You don't always have to build your deck around your commander. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's basically... There's kind of like two kinds of commander deck, I think. Yeah. And one is like the, where the commander is very central to the deck. And the other is where the commander is kind of just allowing you to play certain colors that you want to play. Yeah. And, and, and both are fine. And can help out when they come out. Yeah. You know, I, I do think, you know, you can learn lessons from both. The best decks are probably ones that lean heavily on their commander, but not right. solely on their commander. Because yeah. if you've got to be cautious not to... to be too focused on your commander mm-hmm. because there are a lot of ways that sort of hose decks that are like if their commander's not out they can't win right exactly you know, because, and you don't want to be stuck in the water that's yeah that's if the somebody worst. hinders you which is a counter spell that takes the card it countered and puts, puts it on the bottom, bottom of the library yep. like all of a sudden like 
I can't find I can't I don't have access to my commander all the time. I had to take him out of his little yeah. case and I had to put him in my deck. Yeah, and so <laughs> what happens is that, you know, now if my deck doesn't work without access to my commander, then I'm just dead in the water there. Yep. So I like to build my deck so that whatever mechanic that I'm taking that I'm abusing that the commander has, I also have other ways to get that mechanic right. into play without my commander. Yeah. You and know, those so, are just win conditions really. Ways yeah. ways for your deck to to take it to take the game. Essentially. That don't include your commander. You right. want win conditions that don't require your commander in play to to do. Absolutely. So th- that's kind of a, that's kind of a big one. Yeah. Um, and one of those deck types you talked about, which relies heavily on the commander, is ones that use the commander as their biggest weapon. Yeah. You know, as their battering ram to take you down. Because in commander, you only need to take twenty one damage from the card itself to lose. Yeah. So if the commander deals twenty one damage to you, you automatically lose. Doesn't Even matter. if your life total is above. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually another thing that's totally different than other magic formats. And um what that does is it means that life gain is just it's not that it's bad. It's different. It's just weaker. But life gain in standard as well isn't necessarily the best thing because True. it's it's putting you further from death, but it isn't putting your opponent closer to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's you know? that's exactly right. Yeah. So life gain is never great, especially pure life gain, like a card that just gains you life and does nothing else. That's pretty much it's yeah. not good. Don't play those cards. Yeah. But it's going to make people want to just kill you more because yeah. they're like, this guy has more life than everyone. I guess I'll attack him. Especially and I'll feel with bad. new mechanics like Dethrone, which actually cause cards to target the player with most life. Um, right. Life gains even less powerful than it's ever been uh, in Commander. But also, just you can be at 122 life and somebody can just all of a sudden pull out a Rafik and you know, with haste and hit you for 22 commander damage in a single turn and you're just dead. It doesn't matter how much life you have. Yeah, exactly. So So, there's there's always ways to finish you off regardless of how much life you have. I think that's the thing. It's like with commander, once you pass turn five or turn six, turn seven, you're literally almost always on the the brink of death. You may not know it, but there is the the possibility that amongst the four or three people that you're playing against, someone's going to have that option to do it. Right. So life gain isn't the most important in this case. Yeah, I would say just... Just gaining life in general, it don't don't look at it and go like, awesome, I'm going to gain a bunch of life and then they can't kill me because yeah. that's not true. Life gain is still okay if it's part of a combo or part of a synergy. Right. You know, there are cards that say, oh, every time you gain life, your opponents take that much damage. Mm-hmm. Every time you gain life, you make a 4-4 angel. Every time you gain life, you draw cards, whatever that is. Like right. if there's synergy there, that's great. If it's doing other things. So now it's, what, it's not just pure life gain. It's what right. we call incidental life gain, which means the life gain is not actually the effect that I'm most excited about. But it's a happy I'm just, side effect. Yes. Exactly. It's a cherry on top of what you're really trying to get at there. Exactly. So incidental life gain, good. Pure life mm-hmm. gain, not so good. Yep. And and that kind of leads into our next point, which is you you have to play to your play group. And, yeah. and you know, the meta. And the meta, yeah. And when we say meta, it just means what is happening within the your world of commander you know do you pl- do you go to friday night magic and you play different people with different decks every time or do you play with the same sort of three to four group of friends that you know what they're going to bring to the table or you know that this guy loves to do you know artifact destruction or you know you know that this guy loves to go infinite you know so you yeah, gotta you, i know that he plays this specific commander or right, right. you know he has these two decks and and yes designed specifically for your play group um and that also includes how many people are playing so yeah. you're going to design a deck totally different if your play group is just you and your buddy if it's if you're playing 1v1 all the time then yeah. a lot of the stuff we've just said is out uh, you know <laughs> yeah, if up. you're playing 1v1 you need two drops you need three drops you need efficient creatures yeah. that those games are going to be come down to just attacking and blocking because it's more like a regular game of magic 
you know, there's yeah. no, there's not going to be politics. There's no external threats. You only have yeah. one person to go at, and yeah, that person only has one person. You don't to have go to worry at. about pissing them off and making them want to attack you. They already want to kill you as much as possible because <laughs> it's one v one. Even three player is going to be a little bit faster. Once you get four or five, now all of a sudden you can hide a little bit more. You can do some yep. politics. You, you can know. play with even less powerful commanders in the early game that yeah. get much more powerful later on. Exactly. You know? So that's one thing to keep in mind when you're building your deck is how many people is am I going to be playing with on a regular basis? Right. Um, and then uh, even so, a lot of our points still you know go through, which is you're you're going to get disrupted. You're going to get people trying to wrath you know wrath effects you kill yep. things, uh, get rid of the, your key combo pieces. So you need to have answers, and that that's just a general. You're going to always have to have answers. Maybe you won't have specific answers for different play groups. Like maybe if. You're playing with a bunch of guys that don't, ha- you know, necessarily going to attack one thing. You don't need to have an answer for that specifically, but you're going to need to have, in general, answers or cards that you own that you can slot in, knowing what's going to come at you potentially. Yeah, and it, well, it's like you said, if you're a person that plays with like the same group of five guys every time, you're going to know pretty well what it is that they play. You're going to be like, well, nobody uses any graveyard recursion. I don't need a single piece of graveyard right. hate in any of my decks because no one is using that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, nobody plays with any artifacts of any importance. Well, then I don't need to put a single, you know, shatter or or destroy artifact type of t- effect in any of my decks. Right. But if I'm playing in a couple of multiple groups, I'm going to play, you know, at my local gaming store or Friday Night Magic and I'm gonna, I don't I could face unknown decks. Now all of a sudden my decks need to have a, a very a wide variety of, of disruption yeah. so that they can ha- they, they have a chance to handle a lot of stuff coming at them, a lot of different stuff that I can't predict. Mm-hmm. And even just looking at the colors of a commander should give you some clues as to what could be coming your way. You know, if the guy's blue, they're going to have counters. They're going right. to have some kind of responses to things. Um, and so the way you play obviously changes. But, you know, that, that goes for regular magic too. You should always keep an eye out for open mana. You should always keep an eye out for who's eyeing what, who's... I mean, <laughs> as much as we all like to think that we're super professional when we play magic, I mean, we all have our pretty bad poker giveaways where we're just like <laughs> eyeing one card in our hand and we got that mana untapped i mean you know something's gonna happen so just make sure you're always playing to the meta yeah and, and well and another thing is like you know after you've been playing with the group for a little while you know what cards they have you know how they like to play them mm-hmm. you know the weaknesses of your deck and you know how they're going to attack those weaknesses so now you get into the sort of countering their counters now, i don't mean counter spells i just mean like you know ways around you know, whatever they're going to do to try and stop you. So that mm-hmm. they're going to do what we call tuck effects, you know, hinder, which puts your commander on the bottom of your graveyard. Now, all of a sudden, you might need a couple extra tutors or some other way to go find your your uh, commander once they put it deep into your deck. You right, know, right. you might need like a Fauna Shaman, which is a card that lets you discard a card from hand, a creature card from hand, and then go search your deck for, for any another, creature card. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might you might you know, put in some cards that are going to let you go find it. So it's like, oh, you know, they think they're going to get you with their hinder and they're going to put your commander on the bottom of your deck and all of a sudden you go, nope, I'm just going to go find him again right away yep. and put him right back out. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and you know, those can be, once you know how they're going to counter you, now you can start to, you know, counter move their counters. Yeah. You know, so and that's, like that's what the meta is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's be, being able to be one step ahead of your opponents without hindering yourself. Using hinder, of course, not. In a, not the card hinder, not the card but actually hinder, yeah, yourself. Exactly. So that's a, that's a lot of stuff. We, yeah, uh, we covered a whole lot of stuff there, and it may seem a little daunting, uh, especially if you've never even played Commander before, let alone even played Magic. Who knows who's listening to this podcast right now? But uh, let's actually talk about a Commander. Let's 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 build a deck. Let's see what we got, and let's see. If yeah, we, and we can, can see, see some of these philosophies in action, yep, uh, and how we sort of think about them and how we apply them. Correct. So yeah. what we've chosen as our Commander for the Commander Spotlight today 
is Marchesa the Black Rose. Ooh la la. <clears throat> yeah, she is. Fancy new mythic. Yeah, she's from the new conspiracy set. She's uh, in the Grixis colors. What we call Grixis is mm-hmm. uh, black, blue, and red, and uh, one colorless mana. So she costs four mana total. She's oh, a which uh, is a great cost. three three. Great cost for a commander. Is yeah, four, I cheap think. commanders are are well, they're good. I mean. Yeah. Some expensive commanders are good, too. A lot of commanders are good. Anyway, I do like a cheap commander, though. So uh, do you want to read her? um... Yes. Marchesa of the Black Throne, legendary creature. She's a human wizard. Dethrone. Whenever this creature attacks the player with the most life or tied for the most life, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Other creatures you control have dethrone. And her third ability, whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. Woo. So that's okay, a lot to get so through. that's a lot of stuff. Okay, well let's let's start with dethrone. The dethrone Correct. mechanic introduced uh, in conspiracy. Yeah, is an, is is a new one, and it basically wants you to attack the player with the most life, and it will grow your creatures. Now, Marchesa right. uses dethrone twice. She herself has dethrone. She also gives all of your other creatures dethrone. So anytime you attack the player with the most life or tied for the most life, all your guys grow. Yeah, they get plus one, plus one at the point of attacking. So a 2-2 two, yeah. two becomes a 3-3 three, three immediately. Yes. You know, it's not added at the end of the turn. It happens as soon as they attack. As soon as you turn them sideways, they get yeah. bigger. Yeah. So what do we think about this, Jimmy? Is this a, is this a good effect? I don't know. You know, in multiplayer, it's, it's a fun effect. I think Dethrone, the idea of Dethrone is really wonderful. I think it's great for balancing out games, and it's great for also really fun political discussions. Uh, whenever we draft Conspiracy and Dethrone comes up, it's always fun pointing at other people like, oh, go at him first, even though we're all tied for the most life right now. But I'm not sure how, how useful it is in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I don't like effects that don't, don't let me choose how to play my cards. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and Dethrone is an effect that it makes it feel like if I don't attack the player with the most life, then I'm somehow not maximizing the card. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's tough because I want to be able to attack the player that is, is strategically the best player to attack right now. Correct. And Dethrone sort not of works against that. Yeah. Um, I would say that with Marchesa, you know, um, the Dethrone effect itself is something that I would consider secondary to how I would want to build the deck. Right. I wouldn't want to build the deck based upon that Dethrone mechanic. I agree. And, yeah. and I think, you know, giving, giving creatures plus one, plus one counters is great. Uh, by itself, it doesn't seem like it's that much. You know, you already have a lot of creatures out on the board, and giving them plus one, plus one isn't going to beat, you know, when someone drops an 8-8 eight, eight, tier 3-3. Three, three. So yeah. more importantly, I think it's definitely her third text. Yeah, so just to go over it again, it's whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end set. So let's talk about how exactly this works. You have a creature. It has a plus one plus one counter for whatever reason doesn't matter you don't have to get the plus one plus one counter because of the dethrone mechanic so you can get it from another source it doesn't matter as long as it's got a plus one plus one counter on it then it dies for any reason that means it goes into your graveyard and there's a graveyard yep and there's a time stamp trigger that's on there and at the beginning of your end step or whatever the next end step is, actually. Sorry. So if it's during an opponent's turn. Right. If when, they attack and you chump block something Yeah. Big. And you block something, but it has a 1-1 counter. That means it's, it just comes back into play. So anything where it says enter the battlefield will... Mm-hmm. Enters play. Uh, yep. Enters play will go off. And also when it dies, anything that says leaves the battlefield of the card, mm-hmm. that will trigger. So, you know, immediately that sort of makes me think of, you know, enter the battlefield effects might be strong with her. Right. Leave the battlefield effects. It's also nice because it's, it's talking about what you just said where... It, it, you know, Dethrone is nice, but it doesn't give you control over who you're attacking. You know, right. I want you to attack someone instead of letting you choose, but with the idea that it's just, if there's a plus one, plus one counter on that creature, then they die. That gives you control, saying, hey, 
now there are cards that get to put plus one plus one counters or things and that opens up a whole new world of just stuff that has nothing to do with the throne but all about the idea that you can recur them back to the battlefield after they've died yeah that's what i think the recursion uh, uh aspect of her abilities is sort of the most powerful one it's you know to be able to make your creatures so that they basically nobody can ever get rid of them p- permanently yep. can be pretty powerful can be you can abuse it yeah now i have a couple rules questions about her actually sure. how does she protect herself let's say marchesa herself gets um tragically slipped okay and so enters the if marchesa has a plus one plus one counter on her then at the time she dies she will trigger her own ability so she will bring herself back and the trigger is again it's it's a delayed trigger right. that goes off at the next end step so does it enter the quote-unquote stack as soon as she dies that, that it's already there yes and it, when, it, the when she step. dies at that moment she's dead and on the battlefield at the same time sort of and mm-hmm. then so she triggers herself before she hits the graveyard and her yeah and then she'll go to the field. graveyard but that stack that tr- that delayed trigger is on the stack and then when the end step hits that trigger triggers yep. and she comes back and so if somebody wrath affected and you had say two creatures and her and they all had plus one plus one counters so and she and the other two creatures would come back okay so given her mechanics you know i think uh jimmy and i we've we've both uh you know delved into how to build a deck and we sort yeah. of came to similar conclusions um well the first so, thing when i saw her was like i want to build a deck with you because yeah. you you look like you're ready to play a uh, commander with me yeah exactly <laughs> is what it is so i think the first thing we both thought of was like we need to put in creatures that come into play with plus one plus one counters already right that you, i don't have to attack anybody i don't have to do anything they just put them into play and they get plus one plus one counters or they get plus one plus one counters on their own somehow right. so there's sort of three main mechanics i think that um that we talked about that do that so um one is the unleash mechanic right when a creature enters play you can choose to unleash it it gets a plus one plus one counter but it cannot defend so Correct. it is just it's rampaging it's ready to attack right but it has a plus one plus one counter and nobody can really stop it correct i mean they they, they can counter it but that's about it yes um there's the undying mechanic right when a creature dies if if it's for the first time i believe yep. it gets to come back from the graveyard with a plus one plus one counter a minus one, minus one counter. No, on. plus one, plus one. A plus one, plus one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm persist thinking of persist, is minus, yeah. correct, yeah. Undying is, if it didn't have a plus one, plus one counter on it, it then it comes back with a plus one, plus one counter on it. So essentially, it has a plus one, plus one counter on it because it does Marchesa's effect without actually having to need her on the board to have right. come back. Right, That's a pretty strong one. Uh, and then there's what's called the modular uh, mechanic. Ah, yes, modular. Yeah, which is an artifact mechanic which says that um, it comes in with x amount of plus one plus one counters on it depending on what the modular is so if it's modular two it comes in with two plus one plus one counters yeah and then when it dies you can put those plus one plus one counters on another artifact creature but it'll die with a plus one plus one counter on it so it'll come back with marchesa and it will again Mm -hmm. reactivate modular and it'll have its counters again and in the you know when it when it someone that gets wrathed and a creature doesn't have a plus one plus one counter on you can have it die in that order throw a plus one plus one counter on and yep. then have that creature die so exactly. you, you can save a creature it's almost like he's throwing a, a safety net yep to catch that guy yeah if you have other artifact creatures in the deck so to me this is the mo- the strongest of the three i think undies probably the second strongest mm-hmm. and unleash is sort of the least strong because you can't defend if you put them in the plus one plus one counters correct so um, and for the most part unleashes is i think a very much a a, a limited uh, format card or and sometimes standard as well I, yeah I really it's, it's very aggressive it. very aggressive yeah so if you're going aggro edh might not be the greatest yeah. format to do i that. think modular is definitely the most powerful of the three because it also has no color being artifact creatures True. uh it is a little limited they can only put on other artifact creatures but there are plenty of 
powerful artifacts, creatures out there that you can do. Well, this also with. your total power and toughness on the board should stay the same. Like you, a guy dies, you take his counters, you put it on something else, right? And then he dies, you take his counters, you put it on something else. You know, if you have a lot of modular guys out, all of a sudden, like they're killing your guys, you keep getting stronger, you keep growing mm -hmm. because your guy comes back in, he has more counters now, and he transferred right. his old counters to somebody else. So, yeah. you know, your board presence just sort of can grow and grow. Yeah, it's important to note that most of the modular creatures are zero zeros. So without modular, they would die uh, upon hitting the, the battlefield because they have no toughness. Right, but they have modular, so they never, right. they always enter with plus one, plus one counters. Yeah. The other thing uh, we need for the deck is we, we do want some effects that add plus one, plus one counters to mm -hmm. to anything because we want to be able to protect Marchessa. Right. You know, because uh, you, you will run into a situation where you just can't get that counter out, and you're going to want to have more than one option of putting it on there. Maybe you won't have, you know, the combination of a modular guy and a sack outlet to get rid of him and put the counters on someone else. So you're going to need other options to do it. Uh, Dragon Blood is one that's a three drop artifact that you can tap for pay three and tap it, and you just put a plus one plus one counter on the creature. Yeah, which is great because you can put Marchessa out and then put a counter on her right away, and now you've just protected her like mm -hmm. immediately. Um, there's another one called Unspeakable Symbol, which you uh, it's an enchantment. It's a black enchantment, black enchantment and yeah. you uh, pay three life, and you get a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature. And you can do that at instant speed, too. Yeah. And you can so, do it as many times as you want, as long yeah. as you have the life for it. Yeah, true. So even if somebody was at, like, you know, they're just a couple points away from being dead, and you attack, and they don't block, and then you go, well, I'm just going to play six life, put two plus one, plus one counters, and kill you. That can happen. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, if something happens to kill your guy, and it's like, well, it's just being with a throw counter on him and for just him. three life. And especially yeah. if it's like a huge creature or something that they really want to get rid of, being able to just pay three life when you have 40 to begin with really isn't as significant, which is the nice part about uh, <laughs> Commander in that case. Correct. And then, so then we're like, okay, we've got these creatures. Mm -hmm. Um We've, they're going to be able to recur. By recur, we mean they're going to be able to continue to return to the battlefield when they die because they have plus one, plus one counters uh, because of Marchessa. Now, what are we going to do uh, with that? You know, it, it doesn't feel like we just want to be attacking. Right. You know, so I think the best thing to do is to find what we call sack outlets. So ways Correct. to sacrifice our own creatures. So we want to guarantee that they'll die mm -hmm. and that we get some effect when they do die because we know they're going to come back. Yep. So... Uh, that's essentially two for oneing. You know, you're getting an extra ability out of your card that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, it's even more than two for oneing because the cards you didn't actually lose the card. Yeah, so exactly. it's like one for nothing. Yeah, you know. So what are some of the sack outlets that we, that we maybe can use? Uh, well, the one I have in front of me right now is Attrition, which is a black enchantment. Uh, it's one and two black, so three total. And all I have to do is just pay one black, and you sacrifice a creature and you destroy target non-black creature. And that's that's fun. I mean, it's great. You can do that as many times as you've got Black creatures with one creatures. one creatures. Yep. And instant speed. And your creature comes back. So what mm -hmm. you just did is you destroyed one of their creatures effectively for one mana. Yeah. And the best time to do this, obviously, is right before your turn starts. You know, you've got stuff up technically, or you know, if if, if you want to do something, you know, you're gonna. Cause well, your card's gonna come back during your end step, right? Any end step. Yeah. So you can do it on your turn. Correct. They come back during your end step. Now it's your next turn, opponent's turn. Before his end step, you do it again. Yeah. They come back during his end step. Then it's your next opponent's turn. Yep. You know, you can potentially, even with just one creature with just modular one. out and Marchessa out, you can do it four times if there's four other players. Yeah. You know, for four black mana. With the exact destroy. same creature yes, each time. Exactly. So it's it's very powerful. Um, another another card we might use as a sack out is sack outlet is called Ashnod's Altar. Uh, one of my favorite cards. Yeah, you sacrifice a creature and you get two colorless mana. Yeah. That's so now great. Two colorless mana for one creature? Exactly. And now, what Amazing. did we say earlier? What do we want in our deck? We want ramp. Mm -hmm. So now we've got a sack outlet. That gives us mana. That gives us mana. So it's doing double duty. It's it's, yeah. it's acting as ramp. 
and it's also acting as our sacrifice outlet. So yeah. now all of a sudden, if I've got a modular creature out, I just effectively have two extra mana during my turn because I can uh, I can sacrifice him for nothing because he's going to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the big brother to Ashnod's altar is Phyrexian altar, where yep. it's basically the same thing, but you get one color mana of any color you want. So that's, I mean, that's straight up fixing. You can fix any yep. color you need to, yep. you know. Um, another card I think that's pretty strong as a sack outlet is Phyrexian Tower. It's a legendary land. You tap it for either one colorless mana or you tap it and you sacrifice a creature and you get two black mana. So nice. this, actually, I really like cards like this because it serves three purposes now. It's a sack outlet, it's ramp, and it's a land. Yep. So it doesn't take the place in your deck of a normal card takes the place of a land yeah it's just a land that also does something that you need your deck to do which is sacrifice its own creatures so that's a very strong card right um, there are actually a couple of lands that do this yeah. um so there's there's lots of good stuff that can do it out there um now it may not be the necessarily cheapest option but one other card that we have that's a, i think it's a common right yeah infernal tribute pay two it's an enchantment sacrifice a card in play draw a card so. Another. What did we say we want our decks to do? We want them to have ramp. We want them to have card draw. Got to draw. Got to draw all the cards you can. Yep. Especially so, if you're behind. So you that know? card basically for you, if you have a modular card out, it says pay two, draw a card, because you're going to sacrifice a modular card. It's mm-hmm. going to come back during your end step. Yeah. Then you could do it again on your opponent's turn. So potentially, if you add the mana, you could draw maybe four cards by the yeah. time it's your turn again. Absolutely. You off can the also, one creature. If you have, you know, if you have Ashnod's altar out. Yeah, that's the two mana. You sacrifice one of your guys, the modular guys, and then you have the mana to do it to the other one. Yeah. So if you have two modular guys out, you have Ashnod's Altar and Infernal Tribute. You, you basically for free, mm-hmm. for no extra mana, just just uh, every turn draw a card. Draw a card. Which that's is every player's turn. That's not yeah. your turn. That's like so. Again, if there's five players, that's five cards by the time it gets back, back yeah. around to you. If you're drawing five cards and all your other guys are drawing one card, one, yeah. I like your chances in that game. I like your chances a lot. Even if your deck isn't necessarily the strongest, you're going to have the most options to go by. Right. Make sure you, if you guys are really focusing on card draw too, to have cards that uh, expand your hand size. Because there's nothing worse than having 20 cards in your hand and you're like, God, wasn't that cool? And then it's like, hey, you got to discard 13 of them now. Yeah. <laughs> have fun with that, buddy. That doesn't ever bother me. I'm just, I'll just pick the best seven. Right. I'm good. Yeah, that's true. And you know, the big thing is you still are thinning your deck out and you're increasing the chances of you getting the money cards you need to, right there's to, gonna be to certain like really important cards yeah absolutely so another thing i i would look for is cards that recur themselves because mm-hmm. like we said earlier i don't want to be in a situation where marchesa isn't out and i'm just dead in the water like none of my cards work now because i don't have marchesa marchesa is the thing that's making the modular cards bounce back yeah. from the graveyard but there are cards that bounce themselves back from the ga- graveyard i'm talking about a card like uh, reassembling skeleton. That's right. He w- likes to be in the graveyard, actually. Exactly. If he's ever in your graveyard, you pay two mana and you return him to the battlefield tapped, which is just awesome because for two mana, you can sack him. And then for two mana, you bring him back. You could sack him again, yep. bring him back for as much mana as you got. So if you want to draw cards, it's just four mana now to draw another card, four mana to draw another card. I yeah. mean, sometimes you're yeah. just going to want to do that. You know, there's another card. Squee, Goblin the Bob. Uh, he's a fun little goblin. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may return Squee, Goblin, to Bob from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, he's just a persistent little goblin. Yep. He's always going to come back to your hand. Um, he's also great because he is that chump blocker. You yep. know, he he defeats the guy that's a 15-15 guy, that monster that's just rolling on the ground. Just throw this little goblin in front of him, get to play him next turn if you want to. Or you to. can still sack him too. You go, Correct. You you, can, I'm going to block. 
during the block phase, and then before damage is dealt, I'll sack him to my uh, Infernal Tribute. I'll draw two cards, and then your guy does no damage to me. It's um, it's cool. Once you start really getting in Commander, this is what I found, is that there are, there's always another little space in time for you to do something. Which correct. Which is before he actually dies, I'm going to sacrifice him to something else after he's done the majority of the fighting, which, you know, it realistically doesn't make any sense. If this guy just got run over by a giant elephant, you're not going <laughs> to be able to sacrifice his dead body. But in Magic, you get the chance to do that. So you should always keep your eye out for stuff like this because it just makes your deck that much more powerful when you have not only an answer for something or something that can defend something, but it does something else for you. Yeah, that's what you want, like, those bonus effects, that, that the, those nice upsides. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, another another area, which is Synergy. That's right. Yeah. Oh, actually, before we do it, I want to talk about one more card that's okay. all about recurl, uh, recurrence, but but in this case, other people's stuff, which is Grey Betrayal, which is this awesome set. It's it's expensive. It's a seven-drop uh, enchantment, but any time a creature dies, it comes back into play under your control, which is just pretty bonkers if you have Marchesa because I think one of the one of the things that you can also build this deck around if you really want to is stealing creatures putting plus one plus one counters on them sacking them and from that point on when they come back they are permanently yours yeah there is there is um if you notice the wording on Marchesa it says when a creature you control dies return that creature to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step so it doesn't return under its owner's control, it returns under your, your control. control. Right. So some cards you may not think of that you could use are what we call threaten effects. Mm -hmm. Those are effects that sort of, there's a lot of them in red, and what they do is they say untap your opponent's creature, take control of them until end of turn, it and gains it gains haste. haste. Yeah. So usually you'd have to give it back at the end of turn. Well, it's got haste, right? So you attack the guy that's got the most life, mm -hmm. puts the dethrone counter on it, now you sacrifice it to one of your sack outlets, and it comes back to play under your control for good. Yep. So that's and, a way to steal their stuff. And, of course, you get that extra bonus effect from just sacking it. Correct. It's awesome. So it's just good on a level. You basically killed one of their creatures and then created a copy of it and got a sack, whatever, you know, yeah. draw a card or kill kill another creature with Not that card creature, attrition right. or, you know, got some extra mana or whatever you did. So, yeah, yeah that... that you're definitely going to draw a lot of hate. Threaten effects are actually something you may not think of but are, are strong with Marchesa as well. Yeah. Um, so let's talk synergy. Okay, so we're killing our own creatures and they're returning. To the battlefield so some of the effects we might think of are anything that says when a creature dies mm -hmm. or enters the battlefield it does this comes into play yep so let's let's look at like um i don't know <laughs> probably one of the strongest gods in edh his name is perforos he's the god of the yeah. forge he's the closest to the greek god hephaestus as far as i'm concerned uh he is a four drop he's pretty cheap He's indestructible. He's straight nasty. He's straight nasty. Uh, he isn't a creature unless you have devotion to red uh, equal to five or more. Which is but, actually good. Which is good because it means less ways for people to kill him because his most important effect is whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Perforos deals two damage to each opponent. Yeah, that's every one of your opponents. Yeah, and it's got a lot of words on there I really like, which is each and your control and yeah. enters the battlefield. All those words are excellent. And, of course, it deals two damage across the board. So how this would work is, let's say you've got two creatures with modular out, and you have Marchesa out. And now, you sacrifice your two modular creatures. During your end step, they come back in. They've just come into play. That means there's two creatures coming into play, Perforos triggers twice, and does four damage to every opponent. Yep. You do that on your Oof. turn. Then it's your other. Then it's the next turn. You do that again. Same thing. That's yeah. four more damage. If there's four players in the game, you have done about twenty damage by the time that it comes back to you yeah. to everybody. Yeah. 
So that means if there's four players in the game, you've just done 80 damage in one rotation of the table. So, mm. you know, Perforos is extremely strong. Now, don't be surprised you put Perforos out and everybody starts to try and kill you. So <laughs> yeah. don't put Perforos out until you're pretty sure you can kill everybody in one shot or kill most of them. Yeah, or at least bring them down to the point where even if they do get rid of everything, uh, you are able to still beat them just purely on life alone. Right. You know, having having just a better board state or just having more things at your disposal. A good way to sort of to sort of win the game would be to play Perforos and then to play this next card, Oof. Dictate of Erebos. It says, whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Ouch. So again... Hey, that guy that was indestructible or hexproof? That they got us, take, they doesn't gotta, matter. They got to sacrifice him. I'm yeah, not targeting him. Yeah, exactly. So um, the way this would work is if you add two creatures with modular, you sacrifice them to your sack outlet. Maybe you draw a couple cards, and all of a sudden two of your creatures just died. So every player at the table has to sacrifice two, two of their, their creatures. creatures. Then on the next player's turn, you do it, do it again. again. <laughs> so you could kill eight of everybody's creatures. But and do damage to them with Perforos if you have both out. Yeah, if you have both out. Yeah. I would say if you have nine mana playing Perforos and Dictator Erebos on the same turn, and then you really need only maybe two mm-hmm. creatures with modular or two creatures with Unleash, two creatures that you can sack and they're guaranteed to, to keep returning. Yeah. This is one of my favorite kind of combos in yeah. Commander 2, which is it's not infinite. It doesn't go balls to the wall crazy, but it does. It completely changes the game around if you're able to get it off. And it's really actually pretty hard to stop because somebody, Perforos himself, is a, he's an enchantment, so he's hard to target because he's not a creature. And he's indestructible. And he's indestructible, so he's a lot... There's not a lot of exile enchantments. There are some, but most people don't run them. Mm-hmm. And then Dictate of Erebos is also an enchantment. So unless they have instant speed enchantment removal in their hand Correct. right now, you could very possibly just kill everybody. At the same time, Dictate of Erebos is also a card that has flash on it. So you technically have instant speed on this enchantment. Probably the best way to play it would be at the player before you your turn, during his end step, you flash in Dictate of Erebos. Sack some and guys. then during your turn, you play Perforos. So yeah. you don't even need nine mana untapped. You really only need like six or so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can start the Dictate of Erebos party train as soon as you flash it in. Yeah. You can say, all right, cool. He comes in on your step. My, it's my turn next turn, but I'm going to start do two guys. Everyone mm-hmm. has to do it. And then, and your then turn, I'll play Perforos, and now you start taking damage and sacrificing yep. your own guys. So yeah. by the time your turn is ended, you've done four, and very little options are available to people because all their turns have passed. Most of their mana may be tapped, and the answers to get rid of that aren't going to be there. Yeah, that was straight nasty. So, you know, go, go out and try and nasty. do that. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some tutors that may be um, more specific to this deck than others. Um, Fabricate is a blue tutor that says uh, you can go and find an artifact. So you're going to have modular creatures. You're going to have, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about earlier, Dragon Blood, which is an artifact that, that yep. gives counters. Um, you're going to have a lot of artifacts in this deck. So that is a way to go find specifically artifacts. Yep. And uh, uh, another card that I actually did not know existed until right now, and I saw it sitting in front of me, is Diabolic Intent, which is a sorcery uh, that costs two, so the same as Demonic Tutor, and it does the exact same thing, except as an additional cost, you need to sacrifice a creature. But as we've talked about already, sacrificing a creature ain't no big thing. Actually, it, you want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's actually a bonus in, our, in this deck is, like, sacrificing your own creature. It's very powerful. It can let you find anything. It can let you go find Perforos. Uh, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. It's not It's not limited to a, a card type. It's not limited to a color. It's not limited to, to anything but your own. You can even find the land if you really need it, you know? Correct. Um, okay, so let's talk about, you know, we, like we said, we always want card draw. Yep. We have uh, a sack outlet that gives us some card draw, but maybe there's some other cards. There's a card called uh, River Kelpie. Ah, yeah. River Kelpie says, whenever River Kelpie or another permanent is put into play from a graveyard, draw a card. What this means is every time one of your modular guys jumps back into play from the graveyard... You get some cards. You get to draw a card. 
So just having River Kelpie on the battlefield means every time you sack them and they bounce back, you draw cards. Mm-hmm. So that's that's card draw. It's a, a it's an effect that you can just repeat over and over again. Very powerful. Yeah. Not to mention River Kelpie also has the added bonus of being a persist card, which means it does it to yes. himself. Yep. You know, when he comes back into play, you get a draw card from him. And he's hard to get rid of. They got to kill him twice. Kill, kill him and twice. if you can put a plus one, plus one counter on him. In the gates of counter and you get to yeah. do it all over again. Exactly. Um, another card that is on here that we don't have in front of us is Muldrifter, which is great. It's just a little floating little fish. And when he enters the battlefield, you draw two cards. Correct. And if you can put a counter on him, now you can sack him, and he yep. comes back, and you draw two more cards. Yep. And if you combine that with other stuff, could you imagine the mold drifter that was making everyone sack a creature? This small little fish with wings, and he's just doing so much damage to everyone else, and giving you two cards every. Yeah, time potentially you could have a card who's a two-two flyer. You, but what he does is he draws you two cards. He makes them sacrifice a creature, and he does two damage to every <laughs> opponent. You know, that's just like once you get the synergies into play, the deck's very powerful. Yeah, exactly. And this last card I have in front of me, which is one of my favorite artifacts, is Skull Clamp, which is a one-drop artifact, and it costs one to equip it. And it gives a creature plus one, minus one. Uh, and it, at first, it's like, okay, that's that's interesting. It doesn't seem that great. It gives him a little power, and it takes a little toughness away, like Skull Clamp would. But the important thing is when the crypt creature is put into a graveyard, draw two cards. So that means anytime you have a creature with a that just has toughness of one, you can for one for one mana draw two cards. Yeah, it kills the equip it. Equip cost is one. Yeah, it actually, kills. you don't even need it to have a, a power of one because you can sacrifice the creature. That's right. That's so, right. You can equip anything and still yeah. sack it. So. so what you want to do is take skull clamp, you put it on your modular creature, and if the skull clamp itself doesn't kill it, then you sacrifice it. And then you draw a card. Yeah. Most and you times, get the sacrifice effect too. Yeah, exactly. There are some modular guys that just have one plus one plus one counter. Yeah, And, and those, those are great guys to put on. And we also have that reanimating skeleton too, which, you know, you yeah. just bring him back. And it's not the cheapest thing, but at the very least, it is something that you can do on a repeat basis as long as you if have. If you have, I mean, it's early in the game or you don't have anything else going on, like you need to find the important cards in your deck, then Skull Clamp is a good way to start finding it. And at yeah. that point, you don't care as much. Like, I don't care if I pay three mana to go to you to draw a card. I just need to draw some cards. Yeah, to draw two cards, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. So let's talk about some cards that like you might think were kind of good in the deck, but really but maybe really. aren't that good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first thing, like my initial thought was like haste creatures when I thought about it or mm-hmm. giving all my creatures haste because of the de- the dethrone mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, I want to drop a creature and I want to attack immediately with it. So that so it gets get the that plus counter one counter. Gets on. that protection. Exactly. But really like, it's not super powerful because, for one, if you do that a couple of times, you're going to be the one with the most life, and then it's not going to work anymore. Because exactly. dethrone actually counts yourself, so you can be at a point in the game where you can't attack the person with the most life because it's you. Right. So that hurts it. Also, attacking and blocking in general is just not super powerful in EDH. Mm-hmm. And if it's not necessary, you know, if you're just dinging someone for two and you're getting a plus one plus one counter, it's like, what did you really achieve? You made one person slightly angry at you and. Their life is 38 and yours is at 40. What yeah. do you do? <laughs> you just you know? piss somebody off for no reason. Right. Yeah. Um, what is essentially a negligible amount of damage. Oh, and another card uh, that I actually have my Marchesa deck because I just want to see it happen. <laughs> I just want to see it happen. And that that's my commander curse as the Johnny side of me is Sage of Hours, <laughs> which is a blue creature. Once, and then once you get uh, – anytime you cast a spell that targets it, you get a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, it's a card from Journey into Nyx. And if you can get five plus one plus one counters on it, you can remove all those and take an extra turn after this one. So it's very attractive. It's like, whoa, extra, extra turn. Extra turns. You plus always one, want plus extra one turns. Counters. It's like, it's, it's, it seems like it has all the things that you need in this deck. But if you think about, okay, well, there, wa- there aren't too many ways to put plus one plus one counters on things. Now, if you have a modular sack outlet that you can just start popping things back and forth, that's great. But he's not an artifact, so it's hard to 
move right. the modular counters onto. That's right. Actually, you can't even get those. Yeah, counters on there are cards that there's a there's a card called liquid metal coating that mm-hmm. can turn uh, something into an artifact. So you yeah. can put that in. Or a guy like Memnarch that can do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you could have some cards, and I think maybe those cards do belong in this deck anyway, just because Marchesa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the chance to turn into, her into an artifact is strong. But you have to put five on him. Then you only get one turn. I just think it's really a long way to go, and yeah. it's unlikely that it's going to pay off for you. Yeah. Once I mean, you... I get it just to try and live the dream. Like, why not put it in there? But, like, you know, if you're going to be sort of spiky about it, a little bit nuts and bolts, then, you know, I don't think that's a card maybe that you want to yeah. put in there. It, You know, I think there there are some – there's something that exists for it that's efficient enough and fast enough that even a spike player would really like it. I, I just don't think it has been found yet. There is a card that does sort of a similar thing, Jimmy, that I do think is – you know, maybe a win condition in this deck. It's called Time Sieve. That's right. Yeah. It's, and you, uh, you, well, you played it to yeah, a win yeah, last time. We yeah. Played so it, so. What, what Time Sieve does is um, you tap it and you sacrifice five artifacts and then you get an extra turn after this one. Now, that seems like a high price, but remember our, our artifacts can return after they've mm-hmm. died. So what you can do is if you have enough modular guys out, five to be exact, yeah. then and you tap Time Sieve. You sacrifice those five artifacts. You get an extra turn after this one. All five of those artifacts return during your end step. Yep. So now on the next turn, you tap time sieve, you sacrifice those artifacts. So now you have unlimited turns. You're in an infinite yep. combo loop with un- unlimited turns. You're going to win that game. Mm-hmm. As long as people do not find a way to get rid of uh, either time sieve or uh, your artifacts. They could and, exile one yeah. of your and that's, that's assuming or... they have the mana up yeah. uh, because they're not drawing any cards at this point unless they have some of that. But you just don't play Time Sieve until you look around and everybody's tapped out and it's your turn and you have five artifacts. And if you do that, yeah. like you can basically kill everybody. Yeah. Some play it's a groups slow don't. Kill, yeah, but you can do you it. You can do it. You still so, have to play correctly. Some play groups look a little. They frown upon uh, infinite combos, so watch out for that. But you know, personally, I just think uh, if you can get it off, hey, that's fun. It requires six cards. Like you know, nobody should be able to complain if you make an infinite exactly. combo that requires six cards. It's like you have plenty of chances to stop that yeah. from happening, and somebody's got to win at some point, right? Yeah, it's more like shame on you for not doing anything about it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you see all these modular guys. That you, you something's something's fishy. Something's gonna happen here. So, um, okay, so let's talk about some some ways that if I was playing against this deck, some uh, things yes. that I might that I might want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for one, we talked about tuck effects already. Uh-huh. Basically, can we put Marchesa away for good? You know, when she dies, she might come back. When she gets put in the command zone for whatever reason, she's just going to cost six the next time. Right. You know, she's not an expensive commander, so hinder. You know, it's a counter spell that takes her and slips her to the bottom of your yeah. deck. And this is one of those decks that relies pretty heavily on its commander. Like it's counting yeah. on having her out to make this stuff recur. Right. So, so She's getting the rid key of her combo piece. Yeah. So killing her or exiling her because she'll just go back to the command zone and you cast her again is it's it's okay, but it's not a good way to get rid of her. Yeah. Tucking her within the deck somewhere. There's a card called unexpectedly absent, mm-hmm. which also puts her deep into the deck. Uh, those are ways to sort of make it so they don't have access to her, and that really will that'll slow this deck down like a ton. Right, and if you're playing red, the uh, one and only card that you have that is in your color is Chaos Warp. Yep. Um, which is not even the best. It's not the to, best, but it does something. There is, a, there is a chance that she'll just flop right back out. <laughs> so um, another effect would be uh, there's effects like Meddling Mage. One of my favorite cards. Yeah, or Nevermore. And what they say is you when you play the card, you name a card, and then that card cannot be played. Right. So they'd have to kill Meddling Mage or get rid of Nevermore, which is an enchantment, before they could play Marchessa because you can right. just 
play it out and say Marchesa, and then yeah. now that that card just cannot be played. And meddling mage, if you're in the colors, only costs two mana. Yep. So e- even if they are able to kill it on turn six, you know, let's say you play it turn four, and they're like, okay, well, I guess I can't play my commander. I have yeah. to wait until I get an answer for it. That's still two turns where they don't get to start building their combos, and you get to, you know, hopefully get a little further ahead. Yep. So I think meddling mage is pretty strong commander card in general. They're, you're you're usually going to be oh, yeah. playing against one deck that like wants its commander out pretty mm-hmm. bad. I feel like it's a great card in any format because yep. you know if you're playing against decks that can have four things in them, you know, like a uh, standard and all that, then Meddling Mage is like, all right, I know they have Thoughtseize in here. Boom, goodbye Thoughtseize. You know, or um, in the case of commander, it's just you can shut down one commander, which cu- which a lot of times can shut down the whole deck. Right, like, decks yeah, like Prosh do yeah. not exist without Prosh. Yeah, exactly, because they can't do everything. If everything in the deck is built up towards like what their commander can do and mm-hmm. you just say well you can't play your commander anymore then exactly it's just it's like the off switch i think the yeah. scariest thing if i'm playing the marchesta deck and somebody else has graveyard hate ah uh, yes that's the one that's the thing that can completely like destroy this deck because remember when you sack your modular guy he goes to the graveyard and then he waits until the end step to come back yep so and if that, they have that... something that removes things in a graveyard from play mm-hmm or from the game. So, you know, that's what we call graveyard hate. Yeah. There's um, Death Rite Shaman. Which can do it at instant speed. Yeah. Rakdos Shaman for two drop. Yeah. You can just exile all cards in the graveyard. Yeah. I mean, they're gone. Yeah. So, <laughs> will not be playing more so they're not before. coming back into play because they've been removed from the graveyard. And, right. when, and when that trigger triggers at the end step it goes to look for the card to bring it back into play and it's just gone right and we should also mention that marchesa um you when she dies you can choose to put her in your command zone and have her cost two more or stick her in your graveyard and have her trigger her effect on herself correct so uh, ideally you don't want to put her in the command zone uh because yeah you, you know, want her to recur herself for free yeah exactly. but if somebody's playing graveyard hate oh you just got hosed you just, yeah you gotta be careful sometimes yeah. so that's the scariest thing um so what do we have that seems like it counters this deck but but it doesn't you know what i think like wrath effects yeah we talked you know, a lot about wrath effects and yeah. how effective they are but yeah not but they don't work against this deck because the, everything's got plus one plus one counters all of a sudden you wrath wrath all your stuff dies everybody mm-hmm. else's stuff dies and but but the marchesa deck all all its stuff just comes back at the next end step yeah with a burning passion to get rid of you plus if they're smart they go oh you're gonna wrath okay i'll just sacrifice all my stuff and i'll get all my cool effects from that and then all my dudes will come back and the last thing they want to do is is wrath when you've got a perforos out yeah you know because he's gonna he's gonna stick around yeah exactly he's indestructible so um exile effects seem like good ideas because you're like well if i exile it it's gone for good yeah but unfortunately they have sacrifice outlets so you go to exile it and they sacrifice it in response and then nothing you didn't exile it it just died like normal right their their sack outlet gets to be placed above the stack of your sweet swords to plows hairs or whatever it is and you just get to watch that creature come back you get to be sad because you your be source supply shares didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, bounce effects, unsummon effects uh, also seem like they'd be a decent idea, but same problem. You, yep. They just sack it in response. Yeah. So that's why sacrifice outlets are so strong. Control yeah. magic effects, the same thing. Sack you outlets. Go to, you go to steal it, they go, no, nope, I'll just sacrifice it first. Now you don't get it. Yeah. And I would also say about bounce in general, it doesn't seem as powerful in Commander as it could be. Yeah, we didn't mention that earlier. I would say, yeah, bounce is what we call a tempo play. Mm-hmm. It's inherently card disadvantage because you didn't actually get rid of the card right you just uh, disrupted their turn yeah and, you know maybe not maybe they won't play that same card next turn maybe they have something completely different that you weren't expecting and you should have gotten rid of that creature instead and and tempo plays are useful in uh in quicker games and not as useful in longer games the longer the game mm-hmm. goes the more card advantage is going to sort of play out 
yeah. you know if you're going to kill them very quickly in like three or four turns then it doesn't matter how many cards they have in their hand absolutely but if, yeah. if they're going to last 10 12 13 14 turns then all of a sudden the amount of cards and the amount of answers they have really become important mm-hmm. so things like unsummoned that just takes a creature and puts it in their hand it's not that it's not usable there are instances where it's usable i mean if they've got avison out which makes everything indestructible. Sometimes right. you just want to bounce her so you can kill everything else. Yep, yep. You know, it's not that it's not usable. It's just inherently less powerful than yeah. it would be. And in that case, I, it, if I have a choice between bouncing something uh, or paying a little more to steal it forever. Yeah, just steal I'll, it forever. I'll take it. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I'll, 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 I'll use that control magic. That's a good if point. If they don't have a, a sack outlet for it. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Okay, how... so now we know the effective ways that they're going to try and come at us. They're going to try and tuck our commander deep to, into our deck. Mm-hmm. They're going to have meddling mage so that we can't play our commander. They're going to try some hate. graveyard hate. So what do we want to do to sort of avoid their disruption? Well, like you explained earlier, I, I like the, the concept and the idea of the disruption package. Uh-huh. You know, it's like a, a, an assortment of like three or four cards that should go in every color. You know, if you have those colors, you should put in your deck. Uh, so counterspell, obviously, is the, the, yeah. the way to start. If Two you're blue. playing blue, counterspell is your answer to almost yeah. everything. As is Hinder. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you have a little more money in the bank, Pact of Negation uh, yeah. is great because no one, no one sees that coming. True. <laughs> no one has ever seen the Pact of Negation coming. <laughs> True. You can even afford to put things that only counter instants and sorceries mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you're, you're worried about graveyard hate. You're worried about, you know, yep. you're worried about hinder. You're worried about unexpectedly yeah. absent, you know. Um, also, think, permanent removal. Enchantment removal is really, really powerful. Yeah, I think true. in general, you should always have enchantment removal in Commander because there well, are blue, some... Well, these blue, are, these colors have a tough time with enchantment removal in general, though, because yeah. white and green are the enchantment removal colors. It's true. So it's going to be tougher for you to find enchantment removal, which means Counterspell is going to be even more important because mm-hmm. you just don't want to let it land on the grid exactly. uh, on the battlefield. Yeah. How are you going to stop people from hurting you? Glenelendra, I think, is actually a really good probably in the, this deck. Probably one of my favorite creatures for yeah. blue. And she's awesome and she, in this deck because... What happens is she's got persist, which means like, okay, if you don't know what Glenelander is, she is a creature where you tap one mana and you sacrifice her and she counters a non-creature spell. Yep. She has persist though, so she returns to the battlefield with a negative one, negative one counter on her. And she can do it one more time. She's a two-two, so she can basically counter two spells before she's gone for good. Yeah, for two mana. But in this deck, you can add plus one, plus one counters to creatures. You have Mm -hmm. a multitude of ways to do that. So... If you have a negative one, negative one counter on you, and I put a plus one, plus one counter on you, you just now have no counters on you. Yeah, exactly. So now you sack her, she dies, she has persist, she comes back with a negative one, negative one counter on her. Throw so if you can put a, throw another counter on her now, you could, so you can, in theory, you could counter as many non-creature spells as you wanted. Yep, as long as you have that mana. Yeah. And that's just great. She's and, and not to mention she's a flyer too. So if worse comes to worse and you need to chump block that giant dragon coming your way, Glenelander will do it and then come back. And then come back. <laughs> yep. She is she's very strong in this deck, and I think yeah. uh, well, she's a mu- just a great a must include card yeah, for, she's, for anyone that's playing in almost blue. every blue deck you want her. But in this deck with a lot of recursion, she's super strong. Yeah, exactly. And and it's important to make sure that you know your, your disruption package. You're only going to have five six cards maybe at most. Uh, don't waste them on something that it doesn't need to be wasted on. You know, don't just pop it off when you're like, oh, I don't like that. It's like think about it. If that that that's something that's really going to mess your game up, then yes. And then a lot of times, too, sometimes someone is saving one spell, waiting for one counter spell before another one pops up, it's, you know, before something else comes up that they're yeah. really waiting to do because they're like, well, maybe I can bait them into countering this first thing and tapping that mana. And then the big hitter is really coming up next. So you always want to make sure that you're ready for that. Don't just waste your counter spells on stuff. That and you sometimes you want to save your counter spell to protect your win condition, too. Correct. So sometimes you're going to play Perforos and you're going to kill everybody 
by the next turn, next time your turn rolls around. And the only thing that can stop is if they kill that Perforos. And right. so you play Perforos, keep a couple of mana open so you can counter anything. And it's like, now yeah. you're pretty safe. You or know? even keep a card like Misdirection in your hand or something that can just change the target. Correct. You know? Something mm-hmm. that's like, oh, I counter that. It's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to just flip that around so that I do get this out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people have played against you enough and know you in the game and, and know the meta. They're, they are going to wait for that chance. So usually just being able to one-up someone in that regard is all you need. Very rarely, I think, someone's going to cast two counter spells to counter your counter. and you know have a It happens once in a while, but it is pretty rare. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. rare. I think it's a good point to, you know, don't get trigger-happy with your removal, your, mm-hmm. your disruption, your counter spells. You know, because like we said... It is a format where big effects, big flashy combos happen. So you want to make sure right. that, you know, just because something's a little bit scary, you you don't waste anything on it. Yeah. Waste your stuff on the things that are literally going to end you. Right. If you don't. Right. If they set you back a little bit, that's all right. You yeah. know, there are ways to. There are always ways to get things back, and that's why stuff like Toxic Deluge is also great because you you know even if your creatures do die when you Toxic Deluge across the board, which gives everyone X minus one minus one, uh, depending or X minus X minus X depending on what you pay for it. You know, if your guys come back and you can wipe the entire board, that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, Toxic Deluge is a, uh, it's a board wipe wrath effect. It does it gives every creature negative X, negative X, and X is the amount of life you pay. So yep. if you pay eight life, every creature gets negative eight, negative eight, which is a good way around indestructible. Mm-hmm. It's a good way around um, it's hexproof. Good way around hexproof. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 maybe the best board wipe. Um, it also costs only three mana. Yeah, it just costs you life also, but life is something that you have. Uh, a large supply of in commander so exactly you could get rid yeah. of a 39 39 creature if you wanted yeah. to if you, if you really had to well if you had no blockers you would have to because exactly. it's gonna kill you yeah so it's gonna do 39 damage to you anyway correct um yeah Com- so toxic deluge is another good uh, effect yeah so. combine that with a great betrayal and you've got the biggest army of all time well and also in this deck your creatures are going to come back yeah exactly so, so you, you actually get- want to wrath the board because mm-hmm. your guys die and they come back so yeah Another disruption card that I think uh, that wasn't listed here is uh, Insurrection, which I think is is it, maybe not an auto include in every March Asa deck, but it is in the color. So if you are, if you it's want a win to condition, stuff, it's a win condition, right? So let's say things are looking dire. You don't have your guys out. You just have March Asa, maybe one modular guy. Um, Insurrection is great because you take control of all your creatures, uh, everyone's creatures on the board. They gain haste. They untap. They don't turn. So you can spend a whole turn swinging at people doing whatever you want with those creatures because they they're not going to have blockers up. And if you have a sack outlet, you can essentially steal all those creatures, or at the very least, kill them so they don't go back. Well, what you could do too is you could take everybody's creatures. Insurrection. What it does is take everyone's creatures on the board, all your mm-hmm. opponents, and then you swing at the person with the most life. They all get the plus one, plus one counters because of dethrone. That's right. You sack them all, and now they're all yours for good. Yep. Yep. That's uh, that's very true. Unless you're at the most That light. is a dream that I want to live, my friend. <laughs> that's a pretty fun dream. Yeah, and it definitely fun. will make everyone's mouth drop as they yeah. realize that they need to yeah, push I, all I, their little I like your chances. Cards. I like your chances in that game if you ever pull that off. Right. And, that, you know, it's by turn eight. If that's the one thing you cast in turn eight, but you've already got your sack outlets and everything else out there, it's a good time. Yeah. Okay, so um, I think that is uh, obviously we didn't go through like up uh, the full hundred card deck. It's just it's just a philosophy behind how you might start building it. And if you guys want to see the Marchesa deck that we built, you can check out the full deck list in the show notes. Now this is by no means a quote unquote final deck, but a great starting off point so you guys can see what the cards we were talking about all in one convenient area. Just check out the show notes. Yeah, and, and we we welcome continued discussion about the deck. So if you've got any improvements you want to make, you know, suggestions like that, please put them in the comments. So I think that's going to wrap up our first episode. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. Jimmy, uh, where can we find you on... Uh... 
social oh, the, media the interwebs or, yeah, yeah you can follow me on twitter at j f w o n g and that's uh that's say that's the best place to send me your comments feedback and just tell me how much i'm just the best yeah, that's a good idea. You can also check him out on uh, his various. Jeez, you're all over. I am YouTube. all over the place. Yeah, YouTube.com/slash/Jimmy. Uh, yeah. I think is the main place for music and stuff. If you guys like cooking and fantastical foods, Feast of Fiction is the name of a cooking show I do. And uh, there's always video game high school too. VGHS. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, um, definitely. You can find me at uh, Josh Lee Kwai on Twitter. And you can also find uh, the show at CommandCast, and that's fully spelled out, C-O-M-M-A-N-D, cast. So you can just send us anything you want. If you have a suggestion or uh, a, request. a request for a commander that you want us to talk about, you can email us at uh, CommandCast at RocketJump.com. That's CommandCast at RocketJump.com. So please, any suggestions, any critiques, any criticisms, but definitely we're looking for uh, requests on Commander Spotlight. So send us that. Uh, And also, if you guys are watching this show right now, there is an option to listen to it. And if you're listening to this show, there's an option to watch it. (laughs) Funny how that works. Yeah, right? (laughs) You can download the podcast and subscribe. There is an RSS feed for all that stuff. So just check out the uh, links. It's all going to be in the show notes. It's really cool because you can actually uh, see the cards as we talk about them. Yeah. Okay, so next episode, we're going to do politics and negotiations at the table and uh, a new commander spotlight yeah we don't know who it's going to be but it's going to be a lot of fun i'm we'll excited for whoever that. it's going to be i don't know who exactly it is. and i'm excited to talk about politics because i think that is something that very rarely comes into play with magic so talking about politics good times good it'll be times. fun times yeah it'll be fun times talking about magic politics not like actual politics yeah <laughs> yeah right the one last thing i want to do is talk about real <laughs> politics on the show it's magic the only the time you'll ever say i want to talk about politics that's right i cast this president he's a 4-4 butthole you know <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note everybody we'll see you next time see ya thank you for your attention for further inquiries send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.